Welcome to the podcast. Today's podcast with your host, Ari Mack. I'm Ari Mack. In today's podcast, we're going to be speaking about a lot um, on our agenda um, about this. Hang on. So, yeah, let's get to it. Today's podcast is sponsored by, um, very good shout out to our great sponsor at, um, mypillow.com, um, one of our favorite people out there, um, I'm sure you heard about it. Um, that Mike is having some trouble, and yeah, so help Mike Lindell. So let's get to it, people. Um, I'm sure you heard about this guy named Rex Herman, Rex Herman, whatever his name is. The news, how they're handling it. This guy murdered. Several, he's a serial killer. Um, I'm gonna, where the heck is the Newsmax version of this? Because I have it. I want to play the Newsmax edition of this because they, or you know what? They found his vehicle. They say, first of all, the this case has been going on since 2010. Um, and in Suffolk County. Now, where is Suffolk County and how many residents in, in Suffolk County? Let's look it up. Suffolk County. Um, it's a small... It's small county. I'm looking it up on Wikipedia. Suffolk County, New York, easternmost county in the U.S. state in New York. Um, it's two thirds of Long Island, bordered its west Nassau County, uh, Grander, Grinders Bay, Atlantic Ocean, Long Island Sound, and Great South Bay. Now this boy, this guy, um, not sure where exactly this guy is, Rex Hurman, I will look it up myself, Rex Hurman's address, God almighty, this idiot, um, he, Let's see. According to New York Post. 
Oh, Massapequa, Massapequa Park. Uh, do we, how many people do you think lives in Massapequa Park? Um, how many people do you think is in Massapequa Park? How many? I would say not that many. So, Massapequa Park. 17,008 as of at the 2010 census. As of 2020, now uh, the mayor is Daniel M. Pearl, and the total of um, in their Total is 2.25 square miles, 52.82 kilometers. This is the area of Massapequa Park, and it's in Nassau County, not Suffolk County. I don't know why it's said Suffolk County. Maybe they're involved in this case. Um, this, this guy is just, he killed several people. Um, in oyster, this guy's in he. This his home is in Oyster Bay, town. Um, but uh, let's see what else is here. Massapequa Park. Not that much. But anyways. Hey, um, I'm going to play this. Let's try to get the archive of the Rex Hoyerman a couple weeks ago. How long is this case for? It's been going on for a long, long time. And I'm telling you, 2010, it's, it's terrible. It's really, really bad. And... They need to get to it, and they are. They did. And I'm telling you, this is a bad, 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 bad case. I'm going to play for you. Just give me a minute. I'm trying to find the case here. Um, Where the hell is this? Massapequa Park thing. Oh, my God. Um, no, but I was listening to Greg Kelly the other day about this case, and I'm like, somebody is a neighbor of this really strange guy. And they said this guy is really been has been acting very, very strange. Listen to this. Cup number four, please. Twelve days ago, they um Greg Kelly was speaking about this. And uh, we started and these guys they were able to figure it out. In a matter of weeks, no exaggeration, 
We took analysts. The new Suffolk County um, police leadership solved this case. We took detective investigators, and they worked on a daily basis with other talented investigators from all of the agencies here. Um, and uh, we started that in February 1st, in 2022. Six weeks later, on March 14th, 2022, the name Rex Hurman was first mentioned as a suspect uh, in the Gilgo case. Six weeks after a dozen years, they did it in six weeks. And you know what? It wasn't like brand new information. They looked at the information they already had with fresh eyes. And they were able to pinpoint this guy and pinpoint where he lived. For each of the murders, he got an individual burner phone and he used that to communicate with the victims. Uh, then shortly after uh, the death of the victims, uh, he then would, uh, would get rid of the burner phone. They compared the victims' phones with, uh, with the burner phones and they immediately honed in on some, some similarities specifically uh, in the Massapequa Park area. And they looked at the, an area of a confluence of four cell towers. Uh, and they realized that this was, had uh, significance because uh, the, the uh, perp perpetrator of these crimes was probably located within this area uh, during, at or around the times of the murderer. Uh, and that was mapped out, that was called the box. And it was an area uh, in Massapequa Park. Now, I know most of you don't live in New York. Massapequa Park is a very tiny place in Nassau County, New York. Uh, let's take a look. There's New York. There's Nassau County. And that little village, 2.2 square miles, population 17,000. Now, the details that were just summarized by the district attorney, they knew that all the way back in 2012. They knew that the guy was making phone calls from this small town. They also knew that one of the prostitutes, one of the victims, Amber Costello, well, an associate of hers, maybe your pimp, got a very good look at her killer. They saw him with his own eyes and told police all about him and gave a detailed description all the way back in 2010. And, well, they took a look at that. It was in their files. That individual was identified as, as a person who was between 6'4 and 6'6, uh, a, a large man, thickly built, not necessarily overly muscular, but just a naturally uh, big person with glasses, white, uh, and, and dark hair. That's, um, wow, pretty specific. How many guys that size live in that town? Maybe take a look at it. They did. Uh, there was also this, and this is not brand new information. They had it all the way back in 2010. Also of significance was um, that the fact that he was driving a dark colored or black uh, av uh, uh, first uh, first generation uh, Chevrolet Avalanche with a, a very uh, unique feature that was between the, the it's a pickup truck so it was between the cab and the bed uh, and that was identified. Again, that was back uh, in uh, 2010. 2010, they knew what kind of car it was. They knew it was Massapequa Park. They knew how big and tall the guy was. And can we see an avalanche? I never really even thought of a Chevrolet avalanche, but here is one. Now I see him all the time. Uh, and that's the little window he's talking about. This is the distinct feature. It's like a triangle on an angle. 
Um, by the way, the authorities here, they're great. I think they're being respectful of who came before them because there were some screw-ups here, big time. Again, thank God for this guy and the new team. They took a look at it and they said, let's solve this thing. Keep going. He worked at the time at an architect. As an, uh, he owned his own architectural firm uh, at an address at 19 West 36th Street in Midtown Manhattan. And that was also the area of interest that was identified by the FBI in 2012. 2012, they knew he probably worked in Midtown Manhattan. How about that? I mean, I actually, some people saw this and think, oh, well, they found out all this information. They were just going over stuff they already had and connecting the dots. I knew that stuff about Manhattan from some TV show I saw four years ago. A second call pinged to Madison Square Garden, which is right above the New York City hub, the Long Island Railroad. Leading some to theorize, the caller was one of the thousands of Long Island commuters who work in Manhattan. That's a big piece of information that they had for a long time. It even made it into the movies. So let's go over what they had. Um, a lot. A lot. How could they not have found this guy earlier? He was living in Massapequa Park, a small village like we went over. Uh, what else here? He uh, yeah drives a Chevy Avalanche. Uh, I think he, he had the office in Manhattan. And, oh, they had a description of the guy. Six foot four, <laughs> ogre, 250 pounds maybe. How many guys like that are there around in Massapequa Park? He's the guy. Him. And did you know that on Google Maps in 2011, uh, Internet sleuths were able to find a Chevy Avalanche. That's it, right in front of the guy's house. This is all the way back in 2011. Now, how was it that the previous police leadership administrations authorities in general how could they have how could they have missed this stuff i have some theories but before we get there here's something else why did they not share more information with the public they came out with a big piece of information several years ago uh something about a belt take a look a significant piece of evidence found at one of the crime scenes along ocean parkway Leather belt embossed with the letters. A black leather belt embossed with the letters HM or WH was recovered during the initial stages of this investigation. We believe that the belt was handled by the suspect and did not belong to any of the victims. We are not providing the specific location where the belt was found, and additional information on this item will not be available at this time. Well, you got to tell us how big the belt is, right? I mean, you know, was it a size 32 or a size 52? That's obvious. Tell us, please, right? No. What size is the waist for the belt? Biggest question. What size is the waist? For the belt. What size is the waist? So I'm not giving you information on the Not going to give you information about that. Why not? There's a lot of ineptitude across the board in America. Thank you, Mr. Speaker.
not going to give you information about that. Why not? There's a lot of ineptitude across the board in America because we're lying too much on computers. I actually am not going to get to that in a second, but the belt. Can we see the belt? Here it is. All right. And HM. They think that they met, that may have been what? Initials. Uh, we're staring at it and we're wondering if it meant this. Hoyerman. The name Hoyerman. Now, not many people abbreviate their last name, right? But you got to look at that name Hoyer Man. All right. What does it mean? Most names mean something. Hoyer Man, if you break it down in German, means to hire a man, right? Literally, hired man. And the individual Hoyerman kind of saw himself as as a craftsman, as as a hired man. I have one tool that's pretty much used in almost every job, and it's actually a cabinet maker's hammer. Kevin, oh, okay, and cabinet maker hammer. Okay, it is persuasive enough <laughs> when I need to persuade something. It's Not someone. Something. <laughs> And it always yields excellent results. All right, there's a lot of creepiness there, but uh, a craftsman's uh, cabinet maker's hammer. Let's see one of those things. Looks like a potentially very nasty piece of gear. Um, so the evidence was there. I'm sorry it was, and thank goodness they had new leaders to come in and to motivate and to organize and to lead to find it all out. Because Suffolk County did not have that for a long time. Suffolk County's former top uniformed cop pleading guilty. Former Chief James Burke admitting in a strong voice in federal court he, quote, willfully used unreasonable force and slapped and hit a suspect, then conspired to cover it up. Uh, and that was just one of his problems. Let's put him up on the screen, please. Uh, former Burke is sentenced to 46 months, pleaded guilty to assault, obstruction of justice, violating civil rights. And, well, a lot of people thought that he threw the FBI off the trail. Uh, let's put that up as well. James Burke stymied the FBI's investigation into the Gilgo Beach serial killings for years. He refused to keep the feds in the loop on the unsolved murders. Burke never wanted us involved in this serial killer case because he knew we were investigating him, said a federal source and for a while he just may have been a target of the investigation um how about that huh something that could have screwed things up and slowed things down the avalanche the vehicle we were talking about how does the dmv characterize an avalanche is it an suv is it a station wagon is it a pickup truck so when they put it in the database they put it in as a pickup truck but apparently dmv was categorizing it as a station wagon and that's why it didn't come up in the computer. And this is what I'm concerned about, an over-reliance on technology. Technology is great, but we can't let it interrupt or interfere with our basic skills. I feel like they're atrophying as a result. You know, working on a computer can be a very solitary thing, right? You're alone, you're working on the computer. It's not exactly fun. Um, and sometimes you get tunnel vision. You don't get to see the big picture. You know, I've been talking to some investigators. Were there, uh, was there a wall? Was there a war room the entire time of this where you could put it up and see and talk? And if you put up all this stuff all the way back in 2011, 2012, how could you not make the association to a guy named Hoyerman? Well, I think that this is a real problem and it needs to be addressed. We have to remember that the computer can't do it for us. In the meantime, expect people to claim all kinds of credit especially the FBI. You ever feel the hair on the back of your neck stand up? That's your intuition, and you should listen to it.
I was in the FBI for 25 years. I developed an investigative tool called criminal profiling. And I'm going to teach you some of the tactics I've used from the people I interviewed. What is their motive and what is their behavior? I had gone there for the same purpose of years before and got back and killed girls. You'll be learning how to spot these character traits in others. The skills taught in this class could very well save your life. You know, the profilers are always there at the end to say, yeah, this is just the kind of guy we thought uh, would be involved in something like this. But they don't bring their skills to the fore to the moment when it's really needed. Now, the FBI did do some great technical work here. A lot of people did. All these agencies, when they came together and they were led professionally uh, by those guys we were talking about earlier, Tierney and Harrison. You want to hear what this guy sounds like? The... uh the serial killer himself. Some people say this is kind of creepy. Some people say it's kind of ordinary. Let's listen. Hey, this is Rex um, from the BNI group. Uh, I actually heard you are no longer part of the group. I still wanted to talk to you. I had a question for you. Um, I also wanted to touch base. So if you get an opportunity, you can always try me at the office. Or feel free to use my cell, my... Uh, hope you're doing good. Hope to talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. I'm no profiler, but there seems to be a little bit of narcissism, right? The way he says, hello, it's me. Listen. Hey, this is Rex. This is Rex. Like, this is your lucky day. Look, are we being difficult here? I'd like to put up the facts that we knew, again, 12 years ago that he lived in Massapequa Park, or at least the calls were coming from there, that he drove a Chevy Avalanche, that he was six foot four in height, and had an office in Manhattan, most likely. How many people are like that? How many people fit the bill all the way back 10 years ago? This was the guy, and it should not have taken this long. And it shouldn't take this long next time. I think we gotta get out of our computers, out of our phones, and think big, and start to see things instead of getting tunnel vision, all right? Yep. All right. Next. Ah, man. Death of three Marines found dead near a military base. Oh, boy. This is terrible. Um, Three U.S. Marines found dead inside a car at a gas station in Hempstead, California. North Carolina cause of death is unknown, but officials say there's no indication of foul play. The Marines found after deputies from Pender, excuse me, Pender County Sheriff's Office responded to a missing, M, basically a MIA. One of the Marines in the car was the man who had been reported missing. There was nothing to believe it. There's nothing to believe it to be foul play or anything. Sergeant Chester Ward to, of the Pender County Sheriff's Department told the local Port City Daily. Uh, we're waiting for Autospeed report. The Defense Department has not announced deaths publicly. A U.S. official with the knowledge the 
of the incidents, the messenger of the, that the Marines' families have been notified. Friends posted the shock and expression of love on Facebook for the Marines. Basically, the Pender County uh, office announced three Marines has died from carbon dioxide poisoning. Fortunately. Um, sad. Let's see from here. Do we have this? Yes, we have this. But it's insane how much this has gone through. It's insane. It's terrible. Our right, next. You know this app called Threads that Mark Zuckerberg is collapsing. Zuckerberg is um his app is collapsing and it's terrible. His app is terrible. Um meanwhile Biden, oh boy. Hunter and regular um, Joe, Joe Biden, oh boy, uh, let's see, Biden accepts his grandchild, um, let's read this, this one is his, acknowledged that, he's been acknowledged that the four-year grandchild Hunter had Lincoln I mean, London Roberts, he accepted that. Why the flip would you accept this? You know you have grandchildren. You're a creep. That's why. Um, what else? Chinese Biolab in, in Fresno, California. Ooh, this one's a good one. John Rich. Um, I'll look up this later. I got an email from PragerU. John Rich um, spoke to PragerU. About the wokeism entertainment industry has made its way to Nashville. Freedom. Creating an art go on hand in hand. And wokeism destroying both country singer writer, songwriter John Rich Shears. His moving story of how he got his start in music. Dealing with his failure and never bending a knee woke mob uh he also talked about patriotism being a dad and the american values and his family in, in um insult instilled insulted him in him instilled him um from 
early age that led to his success. Um, that's PergerU. You can go to PergerU and see it. New new photos appear show Obama with bruised eye and bandaged fingers. Let's see what the hell happened here. Um, just the oh, Obama. First of all, Obama's chef died. His personal chef mysteriously died. Mysteriously died, and Obama has a bruised eye and banded bandaged fingers. What scenario that will make your brows furrow? Oh boy. He was found in an eight mirror, eight feet water. A tragic accident occurred where the Obama's personal chef, known impressive swimming workouts, showcased frequently on his Instagram. Mind you, suddenly died. He was found in eight feet of water. Given his swimming prophecy, prophecy isn't a bit it bit hard to swallow. Hard to swallow. Um. Yeah. Days after the tragic incident, Obama with, is spotted with a black eye, a eerie array of bandages on his hands. There's a lot of wounds. Some typically surrounded by Secret Service, isn't it? A little weird. It is important to clarify. We're not pointing any fingers at any, making any wild accusation here. We're pondering the free-thinking visuals on this curious timing uh, sequence of events. So I'm looking at this. This, you go to um, where is this site? Damn it, Walt. Uh, this is um, where is this? I got it from ah, uh, dailytrump.com. Daily Trump report. I got my so I'm looking at this, or you can look it up on Twitter, Obama. Um, finger, black eye. Search it up. I'm looking at it. I'm like, whoa. They're right. What the hell? It's insane. Meanwhile. Um. What else? Is there? Ah, Hunter Biden. Let's speak about this. Hunter Biden plea is um in court. He pleads um not guilty, of course, because of he's. Um, of course not, doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be 
um, fused with assault and all that and different things. I'm like, man, Hunter, Hunter's crazy. Um, insane. Um, hmm. But he's not gonna get away with anything. It's not. No way. This guy, he uh, harassed, sexually harassed women, sexually abused women, and what else he did? I can go on and on and on all day with this guy. He's a creep. That's what I have to say about him. He's a creep. Alright. Um, <clears throat> he's like his dad. Just younger version. McConnell. Of, he's like his dad. Jason L. Dean. Oh. Remember that song that we played last week? Apparently, Fox News um, edited, that, edited the music video. They hated it. Where is the... Where's the edited version of the Fox News version? Do we have it? So they... The video undergoes edits, loose footage of the BLM protest, used permission. Here we go. Um, without permission, according to Fox News. According to this, they were without permission. Uh, according to Fox News, that they were without permission. So I'm like, so the edit music, where is this? Uh, where is this? The Washington Times even says the edit music video is try that in a small town is a controversial. I'm like, man, 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 man. It's a beautiful song. Can you just... Police. Aldine is not just bending crit to criticism. He's facing legal battle. That's the real story here. It's not a big, it's not about controversial song and it's a video. It's about copyright, legal rights, and complexities. Artistic expression. In the age of mass media, based on available evidence, Al Dean did not cave to the woke mob, but did what was legally requested of him. Hey, uh, which song was at that court courthouse? Uh, there was a few movies there. Forgot which movie. We went through this last week. Um, man, which movie was there? We went through, we went through it last week, the last podcast, we went through this, 
Um, there was a few movies there, but I'm saying that there were several, several incidents there. And then now, hey, why the hell are you making a big deal about this? Um, it's insane. It's really ridiculous, and I'm like, what the heck? It's insane. All right, next. Tucker reveals um, his firing, why he was fired. He, he has claimed that his firing from Fox News is part of 77. 787.5 million defamination settlement between the network of Dominion voting system and a book ousted um, sit out host says in the f that Fox News agrees to take me off the air my show off the air as condition of Dominion statement Mr. Carlson and the biographer Chadwick Moore um, that the network had to settle the case with after Dominion sued Fox. The ex-host added that the owner of Fox M Murdoch couldn't testify. Um, I think that deal was made minutes before the trial started. So Carlson this is a whole thing on truthpress.com. Tucker is amazing. He's just amazing. He reveals all... He's been out there a lot lately. Um, let's see what else is there. Um, Biden issues a hazard alert. What? Where is this? Hunter... I think that's that. I think that's it for my email. Um, let's see. Let's go shut off this. Fine. Let's get to it. Alright, so, um, Hunter, listen to this. A routine courtroom here. Hunter Biden's plea deal revised a dramatic day in court. A routine courtroom hearing, it seemed, ended with a big plea deal in disarray. Hunter Biden pleading not guilty after his plea deal was put on hold. But wow, they acknowledge that Hunter Biden has massive legal troubles that did not go away today. They have been in denial for years about Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden, wow, this was supposed to go nice and easy, all breezy for Hunter, all arranged by the deep state, by the swamp. 
Uh, it did not turn out that way. He was supposed to plead guilty to two minor misdemeanors and walk out of there uh, a free man forever. The judge had some questions. Her name is uh, Mary Ellen uh, Narika. And look, I'm not a lawyer. I have never actually been tried or anything like that, but I thought she was great today. I have something special. This is the transcript. We just got it uh, from the hearing today. And I think she was asking all the right questions. And you heard the defense and even the prosecution start to be like, uh, 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 let's take a look at it. Oh, by the way, Hunter was in court. He showed up with a multi-vehicle caravan for a guy who's supposed to have no money. He arrived in style. Um, but the judge reported as follows. And you know what's great? The whistleblowers, all of those hearings, the House Oversight Committee, a lot of those people were submitting letters, briefs, amicus briefs, I think they're called, to the judge. And it looks like they made a difference. The judge at one point says, um, I have not been able to review the third party submissions. I do understand that they request that I reject the plea agreement based on information that the flyers submit cast doubt on the investigation performed or the charges brought or both. This is the judge talking. So let me ask you this. If I were to think that the facts presented in those submissions or even the facts that have been presented to me in this case and the attached agreements suggest that the investigation was lacking or that more serious charges should have been brought, is it within my power to ask or direct the United States attorney or the attorney general of the United States to redo the investigation or bring different or more serious charges? I think she's actually asking a bit of a rhetorical question, and it's something of a, of a setup in a good way. Mr. Wise, who's the prosecutor, says, I don't believe so, Your Honor. No. Mr. Clark, the defense attorney, says, we agree, Your Honor, it would raise, obviously, massive separation of powers questions if that was to be taken. The judge proceeds, okay, and isn't that decision about what charges to bring for the prosecutor as part of the executive branch? Prosecutor Mr. Wise, it is, Your Honor. Mr. Clark, defense, we concur, Your Honor. The court, all right. So if, it, if there were a failure in the investigation or the charges brought were inappropriate, how would that get addressed in our form of government? Mr. Wise, the prosecutor, through the political process, Your Honor. Mr. Clark, defense. In particular, Your Honor, the executive branch is charged fully with investigating and making prosecutorial discretion decisions. And indeed, that's where the term prosecutorial discretion comes from. It is vested in the executive branch. She's asking key questions here, and she's on to something. Next, she says, okay, let's walk through some of the provisions of the plea memorandum uh, of the plea agreement. Do you have it in front of you, sir? Yes, he does. It goes on to say, I need some help here, because you all told me that this plea under Rule 11, Section C, slash W, <laughs> X-ray Delta, but yet I have this provision that I would think is normally in a plea agreement. So tell me, how do these agreements relate? Are they part of a package deal? Mr. Wise, so, Your Honor, the United States' position is that the agreements stand alone by their own terms, and both agreements include their last paragraph that says that with this one caveat. I know it's getting technical here, but hold on. The court, the judge. Uh, that's a... So, Hunter's in trouble. Is that... It's crazy, and I don't blame him. Next. 
Listen to this. Okay. All right, Darlene, what you got? Uh, thank you. Have you uh, seen the president since Hunter Biden showed up in federal court since the deal fell apart? Did he have any reaction that he has agreed to allow you to share with us? So I'll tell you this. Um, uh, and I'll repeat this is what I said at the top, which is the president loves his son. The president and the first lady love their son. And they support him as he's rebuilding his life and trying to move forward. Uh, I have not spoken to the president today. Uh, he has been busy continuing to work on behalf of the American people, as he does every day with internal meetings. And so I will leave it there. probably are more attuned today than maybe many conservatives were 10 years ago on just how important it is to get the education issue right. Not that people weren't concerned about it, because they were, but we've seen such an attempt to use the schools as tools of, of indoctrination and all kinds of other things that we know we're not going to be successful as a country uh, if we go down that road. So in Florida, we're proud to have been ranked number one in the nation in education by U.S. News and World Report. When we had the first post-COVID NAEP scores, nation's report card, Florida ranked number three and four respectively in fourth grade reading and fourth grade math. I can tell you that wasn't true as a kid when I was growing up in Florida. So we've done a lot better than we did a generation ago. And it helped that we actually had kids in school during COVID, unlike some of these other states, which kept them out for a year or more. Part of the reason we've been able to increase test scores is because we have the most school choice of any state in the country. And we've expanded it in this legislative session where we now have universal ESAs. But what's happened is parents now have options. They can go to a private school. We have 363,000 students in charter schools, which are public but not controlled by the school district and hence usually not influenced by the education unions. And then you have the 67 counties that all have their separate school district. And what's happened with the school districts is they want these students too. So they've actually embraced choice within their own districts. So if you're in South Florida, like Miami-Dade, uh, you can go to charter, to private, and probably a handful of public schools within your school district. 75% of the kids aren't even going to the school that they're zoned for anymore because you have so much choice. Because you have that, it's created healthy competition, and our test scores where they used to be in the bottom 10, 15 states 25, 30 years ago, you know, we now uh, are in the top. And if you say three and four for the fourth grade reading, fourth grade math, if you control for demographics, we'd be number one with that. If you looked at... All right, blah, blah, blah. Next. Um this only for yielding uh mr secretary of uh, the 140 uh illegal aliens you've encountered who are on the terrorist watch list again this is mr ice's question earlier in the day what is the status of those 140 individuals first of all let me let me um, allow the record to reflect that i'm not smiling okay nor have i smiled yeah um um uh, mr chairman will you repeat your question please the 140 individuals who've been encountered on the border who are on the terrorist watch list what's the status of those individuals uh, I, I believe that question already has been posed, and I mentioned to the chairman that we will provide that data to you. Have any of them been released, I guess, is another way of framing that. Um, uh, Mr. Chairman, let me say this. Individuals who pose a threat to public safety or national security are detained pending their removal. 
Well, that's not what the inspector general said. He said CBP released a migrant on the terrorist watch list and ICE faced information sharing challenges planning and conducting the arrest. This is from Mr. Kufari, the inspector general, DHS. You disagree with Mr. Kufari? Uh, we respectfully do. You do? Okay. I would yield my time to the gentleman from uh, Louisiana. Now, one final question for you, and it's an important one. Is Mexico an ally in this fight against illegal immigration? Uh, yes, it is. So, I mean... It's hilarious and somewhat troubling that you say that because, like, I'm looking at the El Chapo trial where President Nieto took a hundred million dollar bribe from the Sinaloa cartel. Do you think that the subsequent presidents following Nieto weren't offered a bribe by the cartel or didn't take the bribe? Congressman, I, I disagree with everything you have said. Uh, right, right but, well, but you can disagree all you want, but what you won't provide is any number. And when you, when you sit there and just kind of ostensibly disagree without any facts, it shows people what the real gig is. The Mexican government is captive to the cartels. They are doing the bidding of the cartels. And based on your response today, so are you. It's crazy. Crazy. Listen to this one. I want to go to my next topic, and this is something that the American public is really frustrated with because it's it's been brought to my attention, and I think I've known it, known it for a very very long time. But for those who are not watching, the Secret Service is an agency that is within the Department of Homeland Security. This has been the case since March first, two thousand and three. Now, sir, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that you're aware that cocaine was found by Secret Service in the White House a couple of weeks ago. Is that right? Yes. According to Secret Service, marijuana was also found in the White House twice last year. Twice. And we don't know who brought the drugs into the White House, which is the most secure building on Earth. And if we can't secure the White House, then how can we secure the border? And without proper leadership, I am so fearful that we have turned our beloved White House into a trap house. And the American public deserve more, far, far more than that, sir. Thank you for your time. I yield back the rest. Gentleman yields back. The gentleman from South Carolina is. Is this amazing? This is great. What they're saying is the truth. Beautiful. Next. Um, the UFO. Ooh, this one. Listen to this. In your sworn testimony, you state that the United States government has retrieved supposedly extraterrestrial spacecraft and other UAP-related artifacts. You go so far as to state that the U.S. is in possession of, quote, non-human spacecraft, end quote, and that some of these artifacts have circulated with defense contractors. Several other former military and intelligence officials have come forward with similar allegations, albeit in non-public settings. However, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, the director of AARO, previously testified before Congress that there has been, and I quote, no credible evidence thus far of extraterrestrial activity or of quote, off-world technology brought to the attention of the office. To your knowledge, is that statement correct? 
It's not accurate. I believe Dr. Kirkpatrick um, mentioned he had about 30 individuals that have come to Arrow thus far. A few of those individuals have also come to Arrow that I also interviewed. Okay. And I know what they provided Dr. Kirkpatrick and, the, and their team. Okay. I was able to evaluate okay, that I, information. I need to go on. Sure. But um, my understanding that this, his statement is accurate. Uh, came from a direct quote. And this contradiction is a perfect example of why we need to inject transparency into our government. And for another example, look no further than the pitiful response to the Chinese spy balloon debacle earlier this year. You may remember the mass confusion that ensued when the balloon was first spotted over Montana, four days after it first entered U.S. airspace over Alaska. The Biden administration's initial inability to address the object grew into a continuous series of embarrassments. After news of the balloon reached the mainstream media, we were assured that the balloon posed no threat to our security. However, after the balloon was allowed to transit the entire continental United States, fighter jets were scrambled off the coast of South Carolina to shoot it down. This flip-flopping and obfuscation caused needless confusion, fear, and panic across the country. It's my hope, Mr. Chairman, that this sort of confusion will not be repeated. We should investigate the extent to which elements of our government possess or do not possess information that is of critical value to the American people. We owe it to the citizens of this nation to make sure that our government is transparent and accountable. We must make sure that our government provides answers and Congress must do its duty to solicit those answers. With that, Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Just one group, the integration of the military shows that many people are patriots. Do you see any merit in impeachment inquiry? Uh, McConnell had a moment. Oh boy, he's not. During this, listen to this. President Biden. Well, you know, I said two years ago when we had not one but two impeachments that once we go down this path, it incentivizes the other side to do the same thing. Not that one. This one. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, we're on a path to finishing the NDA uh, this week. It's been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of Yeah. Do your job. 
Sounds like he had a, a slight stroke, mini stroke there. Hope he's okay. Thank you so much to my colleagues. Happy to take some questions. Chair, Republicans, first of all, they went after my orchids. Then they went after a couple of other, and now they're going after President Biden and Hunter Biden. Your reaction to that? Uh, this is just a complete distraction, uh, and Speaker McCarthy knows it. But in the absence, as uh, Jonah Goose mentioned, in the yeah, they they go like that. Listen, woman is recognized. Madam Speaker, I rise in favor of the on block amendment package, which includes six of my amendments that redirect funds from Biden's bloated bureaucracy to actually help our nation's veterans. Our men and women in uniform and our nation's veterans put everything on the line to defend this great country and our freedoms. They deserve the best care that America has to offer. Caring for our veterans should be a priority in our annual funding bills. That's why I drafted these amendments that transfer dollars from the federal bureaucracy to provide additional resources for veterans, including veteran mental health programs, medical and prosthetic research, the Board of Veterans' appeals to help reduce its backlog and process veterans' claims more quickly, Grave sites for veterans in areas where a veteran cannot be buried in a VA national cemetery, the construction of state extended care facilities, and to the Staff Sergeant Parker Gordon Fox Suicide Prevention Grant Program, Veterans Telehealth and Rural Health. Don't believe the lies on the other side of the aisle. The Republican majority is committed to fully funding our veterans' health care programs and funding veterans' benefits and VA programs. Earlier this year, they falsely claimed that Limit Save Grow would cut veterans' benefits, even though it didn't even mention veterans in the bill. And then the White House and the leftists falsely tried to claim that this bill cut veterans' benefits before it was even released. We didn't even have the text yet. Let me say this again. This bill fully funds our veterans and even provides an increase of $1.5 billion above the discretionary funding level contained in the fiscal year 2023 bill drafted by Democrats. The only thing this bill cuts is wasteful spending, and it ensures the department can no longer be politicized by putting veterans and their needs above a rainbow flag or pronouns. My support for our service members does not end when their service is complete. I am committed to ensuring that our nation's most precious resource. It's sons and daughters, mothers and fathers who answered the call to serve in, in uniform, receive the essential health care and benefits they have earned. I applaud the committee for taking on this difficult task of prioritizing limited resources 
for our veterans. I urge my colleagues to vote in favor of my amendments as well as the underlying bill, which fully funds our veterans. And Madam Chair, with that, I yield back. Um, I wanted to know if you had any updates on if President Biden uh, is willing to declare a climate emergency. There's been more push from uh, progressive lawmakers and activists for to do that. So I don't have anything new to share there. Uh, as you. Well, there are a lot of people in the House. Good afternoon. Introducing my plan. Act now and get up to $25 when you bring your phone. It's your Verizon. Good morning, all. I'm very pleased to meet once again with the Prime Minister of Italy, Giorgio Maloney. When we last met, I was in Rome just a couple months ago with a bipartisan group, and uh, it was an, it's an honor to actually host her here. But as explained to the Prime Minister, when we departed, the Republicans and Democrats alike turned to one another and said, she is probably one of the most impressive leaders we have found on our trip. We've watched that you were looking forward, not backwards. How to bring Europe together, show leadership in Ukraine, but at the same time, the strategy to build for the future. You know, the first European country I visited. Hi, everyone. Just wanted to share uh, a few things that have happened this week that I think are important to talk about. I'd like to talk about the Democrats, the party of hypocrisy. Um, so last week, I'm sure you all saw in the oversight hearing where I exposed and showed true evidence of Hunter Biden engaged in human sex trafficking where he violated the Mann Act. I showed proof where Hunter Biden uh, bought a plane ticket for a prostitute, had her travel from California to Washington, D.C., paid her for sex, filmed the sex, took pictures. That's insane. It's ridiculous. Next. How had as consent that uh, further proceedings of the quorum would all be dispensed with. Without objection, sir. Yesterday, Senate Democrats celebrated the approaching anniversary of their reckless taxing and spending spree. Mitch McConnell doesn't sound too good. Hopefully he's... If you're watching this, just imagine you're that parent and you don't know where your child is. And the law now says there's a 72-hour period where the shelter has to notify you. And that 72-hour period for any child of any gender or any circumstance is a period to investigate whether there's abuse in the home. But beyond that, beyond 72 hours, you got to tell the parent. And so it's, it's really important to understand here what the uh, proponents of radical gender ideology want. They want to stand between a parent and a child on these important decisions. And I don't think it's abuse if a parent says, I'm not going to get my child gender blockers. And, and it's odd to hear you advocate for the law because just moments ago in testimony, you said, and I wrote it down, parents have a fundamental right to make healthcare decisions regarding their children. But, but if in Washington state today, the parent makes the decision that they're not going to provide that gender affirming care what it does is it unlocks for the government a window of time to keep the child away from the parent 
and to not tell the parent where the kid is. Oh, please get over yourself. What you know, what, what's terrible is when you have uh, this this incongruent desire of the government to restrain the ability of parents to parent. And I, I can only imagine the terror that a- I have six grandchildren and I'm crazy about them. I speak to them every single day. Not a joke. Not a joke, but it is a lie. It is a great big fat lie. He has seven grandchildren. You know this story, the grandchild, Navy, four years old, unacknowledged by the president of the United States. That's his granddaughter. Hunter had a liaison with uh, this woman about four years ago. He totally denied it. She had to bring him to court and a paternity test, a DNA test, established that Hunter was the father. Now, for the past four years, there's been no acknowledgement, no public acknowledgement from Hunter, from, from the president of the United States about this girl's existence. It finally changed this afternoon on a Friday afternoon. They still want to keep it quiet. But the president did put out a statement. This is from himself, okay? Our son Hunter and Navy's mother, London, are working together to foster a relationship. That, what kind of relationship, is in the best interests of their daughter, preserving her privacy as much as possible going forward. And remember, this is not political. This is not a political issue. It's a family matter. Always great to see you. Thanks for taking a couple minutes. First question, day one of the so-called insurgency, how's it going? Good. You know, we're going to small counties. Uh, we think it's important to go to every nook and cranny of these early states. And, and Iowans, I think, really appreciate when you show up. I did that in Florida. I go so- oh, my God. I did that. I did that in Florida. DeSantis, forget about it. Next. I chair recognize Mr. Edwards from North Carolina for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, Mr. Ziegler, did you ever ask for access to Hunter Biden's laptop in your investigation? Uh, I, I do recall asking for access, yes. And were you granted that access? I don't believe that that's in the confines of my transcript. Um, so I, I do know. So when we're talking about. Did the, you invest it? Did, did you look at the laptop? So. so so I can jump in there because I documented uh, a meeting where we had this discussion and it was included in my House Ways and Means Committee transcript. And Special Agent Ziegler asked uh, multiple times that, that, you know, that he had certain pieces of certain downloads from the devices, but he did not have access to all of them. And that's when Leslie Wolf said that, well, that's because prosecutors decided not to give it to you all. So you you and effectively were denied access. Uh, Mr. Shapley, in your interview with the Ways and Means Committee, you stated the following regarding efforts to obtain a search warrant for, at the time, former Vice President Biden's guest house. We talked about the storage unit earlier. Let's talk about the guest house now, where Hunter Biden had been staying. And Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf's assessment of the situation regarding the likelihood of such a warrant being approved. There was more than enough probable cause for the physical search warrant there, but the question was whether the juice was worth the squeeze, and I find this in quotes. Uh, She continued that optics were a driving factor in the decision on whether to execute a search warrant. She said a lot of evidence in her.
I want to go to my next topic, and this is something that the... Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. People of Maine, and my good friend and great partner and a tireless fighter for good job. Mr. Secretary, you have a serious job, and occasionally you have to deal with some very unserious MAGA colleagues of mine. Your serious job is to secure the border of the greatest country in the world. A country that is neighbor to some of the most violent and economically insecure countries in the world where people are willing to risk everything to come here. And somehow you have to secure the border, but also make sure we're not pushing little girls back into the river so they can drown. It's a hard job. If it was an easy job, we wouldn't have asked you to do it. But you were asked to do it because you're qualified, you're competent, you care, you show compassion, and you show up every day and you deal with this. Frankly, sir, I think... I yield back. Thank you. Now recognize Mr. Garcia from California for five minutes of questions. Thank you. Um, well, well, that was a lot. Um, I want to just first uh, start by saying that we know that the VAR system um, should not... ...of cartels and other producers within Mexico as well. well I'm out of time. I appreciate... ...this one, uh, and so we'll see. Okay. Hey, go back to the... Then let's open up for some questions. Yes, sir. Thank you, one of the hottest summers in history. In weather like this, ensuring our home stays cool and comfortable is top of mind for many, but it's also life-saving. Unfortunately for us, the Biden administration is telling Americans that their thermostats should be at 78 degrees when they're home during the day and even higher when sleeping. How can anyone be comfortable in their home with the thermostats set so high? That is why I, along with my good friend Senator Ernst, introduced the Lead by Example Act. 
This bill would require the Department of Energy and the Environmental Protection Agency's office buildings to set their Department of Energy's recommendation of at least 78 degrees. Set their thermostat where they're recommending it be set for you. Currently, with so many DOE officials working from home, taxpayers are paying to cool empty office buildings. Once again, do as I say, not as I do, and it's outrageous that Biden's executive agencies are the exception to the rule. Yet the Department of Energy is urging hardworking Americans to change their lifestyles without any consideration for varying climates or health concerns. That is why I'm proud to join Senator Ernst on the Lead by Example Act, and I encourage all of my colleagues to support it. But I'm going to stick with the state of Victoria for now. You see, their government seems to have a lock on all the really dumb ideas. Not only do they think debt doesn't matter as they effectively shut down private enterprise and build a police and public servant state during that pandemic, now they think a raft of new taxes is going to pay for all of their excesses. But I'm going to tell them that's not what happens. New taxes just chase good money and good investment out of a state. And it's a pretty simple calculation. As an investor, if I can get a better return elsewhere, well, that's where I'm likely to go and put my money. And although that is basic economics, it hasn't stopped the Dan Andrews race for others' riches. They've put forward a raft of dumb ideas, and frankly, one of the dumbest has to be this proposal for rent controls. It's been confirmed that they are actively considering a ban on all rent increases for two years. Believe it or not, that's going to hurt rent as well as the mum and dad landlords who happen to live in the Venezuela of our federation. First off, a move like this will drive investors out of the market. Many will sell and... As Republican presidential hopefuls descended on Iowa this weekend, there was one notable absence. The candidate who has called Donald Trump stupid, a loser, selfish, a failure, and that's just the last couple of days. Republican presidential candidate and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie joins me now. Uh, sir, it is always great to have you here uh, on the program, so thank you for being here. And you just heard your competitor, Vivek Ramaswamy, say that he would still pardon Donald Trump even after the special counsel charged him with seeking to destroy security footage in the classified documents case. Now, you, in addition to being a governor, were a federal prosecutor, and I, I'd like to know... Got it. Um, <laughs> it's pretty brazen. He's just... It's just crazy. Listen to the next. In order to complete the scheme, they plan to mischaracterize the repayments to Mr. Cohen as income to the New York State tax authorities. He was, they were reporting money as income to the tax authorities. Did you hear that? In order to complete the scheme, they plan to mischaracterize the repayments to Mr. Cohn as income, income to the New York State tax authorities. I've heard of evading income taxes by hiding income, but they're reporting money as income, and they're trying to make a crime about that. Where was Joe today, and what's Joe doing? The White House saying no pardon whatsoever. He was inappropriate this time with, uh, I think, the Italian prime minister. Is that who that is? Did you see how he grabbed her this you're not supposed to do stuff like that all right you're just it made her very uncomfortable made people watching uncomfortable as he goes around promoting biden omics is it is it my imagination or we have gathered here today and are very excited to תודה, אנחנו בסיכום כנס הקיץ ויש הרבה מה לסכם. הממשלה מקדמת שלושה יעדים מרכזיים שישנו את חייהם של כל אזרחי ישראל. 
Uh, that's Netanyahu speaking about the judicial reform. The third round has passed. It's a, he's saying it's wonderful that we have passed the um, the third round, and they're going to be going to the fourth round. Let's see, and our Jerusalem Post, what's the deal with the fourth round? Um, let's see if we could do that. If we see, if we see any, um, if there's any news on it, um, today it's supposed to pass. Meanwhile, the Knesset approves electronic monitoring, monitoring bracelets law pushed by the Ben Gavir. It's, um, there there are false complaints from women, so you won't get this into law about um, certain things. Um, the Knesset signed the law, bracelets law, electronic bracelets law, fourth. Uh, the coalition previously shut down this bill in March, and they approved it. Uh, next. Uh, I think the chairman, Mr. Secretary. Companies going woke are learning a hard lesson. Just take Bud Light, for example. They're now laying off hundreds of people in the wake of their trans campaign with Dylan Mulvaney. Will they ever learn their lesson? Joining me now, country music superstar, owner of Redneck Riviera and co-founder of Old Glory Bank, and, by the way, old-time, long friend of mine, John Ridge. Good to have you on, my friend. Man, you know, really good having you back, first of all. But So this whole idea, this whole new idea of conservatives saying, oh, no, we're going to play your game. You started this leftist. You started the boycotts against conservatives. We can play that game, too. Unfortunately, people are being laid off. But Bud Light, what, a, what an amazing example of conservatives voting with their, with their wallets. You know, it's uh, cancel culture. I'm not a I'm not a fan of cancel culture. I don't support cancel culture. But to me, cancel culture is when somebody above your head just shuts you off. They just they kill your channel. They turn your voice off. They cancel you. It's different when we the people. He's a great guy. Listen to him on per you uh, next. The chair, I recognize the gentleman from Louisiana. Secretary Mayorkas, we have the frustrating responsibility on this committee of providing oversight of your agency, but I have to be honest and tell you. Um, there's a new CDC director. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, once considered the gold standard of public health, finds itself at a crossroads. It's time for a new chapter. Trust in the CDC plummeted during the height of the pandemic. Presidential candidates continue to slam the agency. We've seen over the past few years uh, really the, the bankruptcy uh, of the public health establishment. From both sides of the aisle. The CDC, the World Health Organization, the but National those Academy of Sciences. are captive agencies. Vaccine misinformation, surges in drug overdoses, unprecedented gun deaths, all considered major issues. Yep, the CDC, we're not going to trust them ever again because thank you so much.
Um, it's terrible. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Fauci. Thank you so much to all these people. It's ridiculous. And I'm telling you right now, I'm never trusting the CDC ever again. It's ridiculous. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Is that it? Yes, we are done. All right, folks. Until next week. Um, by the way, to tell you this, we got exciting news. We'll be out August 20th, the week of August 20th, our, um, our anniversary show, three-year anniversary. Wow, that's amazing. We'll be, um, doing it, I'll tell you exactly, live on air, we'll be doing a live on air show. Somewhere, a beautiful place. I'm not going to say yet, but it's really amazing, and it's great. So, wait until, um, beautifulness. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, God bless America, and keep the truth. American freedom. We need it. I'm telling you, folks. Um... Before we go, this whole thing with, um, with, uh, the IRS whistleblower. Yeah, what the hell? I'm saying, why in the world would someone wake up all of a sudden and say, ooh, I am going to wake up now and bust the IRS. How come all these people are waking up all of a sudden? This I'm telling you, folks, it's going to be the world, the United States of America is falling apart right now. And everyone is coming in and to Congress and filing a whistleblower, this whistleblower and that whistleblower. Yes. Wait until the, there's a whistleblower for the CDC. Wait until then. Next week. Wait until... I'm telling you. CDC. Uh, who else? We have. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just sickening. We have the Hunter Biden case. That's, that's still going. The Hunter Biden case is insane. Um, we have the, oh man, man, oh man, we have a lot. The border, the border case with, um, that Spanish dude. I can't span, I can't say his name, I can't pronounce his name, Arjando or something. Um, he is a lie. He likes to lie about the entire border. Don't believe him. I don't believe him. We know from the media, thank you to the media, for saying, exposing the entire Biden administration about the, the, um, some of the media tells lies about the, um, border, 
but most some of them um, tell the truth. And our good friend uh, Billy Premper went to the border and saw it himself. The border is a wreck, and I'm telling you for the for, for facts I've seen um, videos, and I it's way too dangerous them to go down there. Um, I've spoken to people about it. To be honest, you need a sheriff to be with you at all times in order to take a tour of our border. That's how crazy it is right now. It's really scary. And that's what they're speaking about in this Congress uh, case right now with the uh, border control agency, um, the head of the border. And it's crazy. So yeah, a lot of cases going on in Congress right now, and you can find on, you can, it's really insane. So by next week, we'll speak about who knows what. Yes, enjoy your week and have a great week, everyone.